welcome to the 125th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm good. I'm good. 125, you know. 125. It's a lot. <laughs> Over two years, right? Yeah. So one of the things we've we've covered pretty consistently since we started doing this was uh, earnings and Q4 earnings are wrapping up. Uh, we've got you know all the major players have reported so far. We still have a few folks left to go, but you know I thought we could talk ab- about kind of preliminary industry results and specifically uh, you know winners and losers in terms of you know how the quarter went. So thought we could talk with uh, start talking with Verizon, right? So they had 217,000 postpaid phone net ads. Of that, 41,000 were consumer, 176,000 were business. Post phone churn of 0.89%, which is pretty good. Negative 175,000 prepaid nets, prepaid churn at 4.9%, and 262,000 fixed wireless net ads. They softened guidance a little bit. What are your thoughts on on the quarter for Verizon, and specifically, you know, when we we think about kind of how they're doing, what do you think about kind of the the upgrade game that they're playing with their subscriber base? Well, the quarter ended with you know, let's remember Mano Bouillet being shown the door, and and Hans Vesberg, the CEO, taking over consumer, right? When I look at that quarter, Sampath and business saved the bacon again. Consumer barely eked out a win, and which is fourth quarter, again, is the best quarter of Verizon, but from a pretty abysmal year. And but, well, we, we knew that it wasn't a stellar quarter because we asked questions to our, on our survey around what happened around Thanksgiving. I don't think that comes as a surprise. And we knew that there was trouble in paradise. And what, a week or two later, Manon was gone. When I look at Verizon, you know, they're they're trying to get back to network superiority, network leadership. But I don't think that is enough because time has moved on. Both AT&T and T-Mobile have done really good things with their network. T-Mobile is actually ahead of 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 Verizon and you know AT&T is at about 150 million midband coverage where they blew away their goals. So I don't think it's enough, right? And them saying, "Oh, we're 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 playing the financially disciplined game and we're not going to enter in this promotional competition and all of that stuff. If they don't, this is just going to prolong prolong the, the, the status quo, right? And I don't know how long the status quo will be is maintainable, right? It, it's like the, the big question mark is the board of, of Verizon. If Verizon's board is fine with basically treading water, extracting more money from the same base, and then this can go on for quite a while, right? I always say, like, you know, nothing changes until something changes. And until something radically changes at Verizon, 
T-Mobile and AT&T will, will run away with both strong subscriber ads and with a good financials, and the cable guys will continue to do well. It's like, I thought what was interesting, you know, and, and, and it was a little bit the, the story of contradicting stories, was that Hans said at the earnings that they would focus on Welcome Unlimited and that that was the secret to succeed against, you know, cable and others. And a couple of weeks earlier at the city conference, he said, like, yeah, well, we get people in the door, but then they buy higher price plans. Which one is it? Because it's not both, right? Yeah. To some extent, there's still a little bit of a sleeping giant there, right? So I think Verizon will have built out their C-band acquisitions, you know, by the end of 23. They'll have, you know, a renewed network claims, I think, to rest their laurels on. But to your point, you know, it's, it, it, the network issue is now one about speed as opposed to coverage, I think, for a lot of folks. And it's one thing if I, you know, am stuck somewhere and can't reach my family if I need to call my kids or something. That's a that's a really important thing for any sort of subscriber. If you're getting download speeds that are 20, 30, 50% faster, that's nice. But you've lived with that without that up until that point, right? So I, I don't think network is as much as it exists today is as much of a differentiator as it once was. Yeah, and, and with speeds right now with speeds, T-Mobile plays it really, really well. But who cares if your speed is 200, 400? a gigabit on on a mobile device when all you do is watch video at somewhere between 5 and 20. The only thing that makes a difference is in marketing and in speed test, right? Right. The application for this ultra-fast speeds that they're building are not there yet, right? And likely won't be there on a on a phone device, right? Like the the utility of those fast those fast speeds really play to something like an FWA fixed wireless, right? We'll we'll see when when Apple comes out with augmented reality glasses that connect to their cell phone. Then we need these speeds with ultra latency and all of that stuff. Absolutely, then we need these speeds. So. And but here's the other thing they said like Verizon said like oh we're gonna build out till the end of the year and then we'll will be the most or, or the least network intensive capex intensive provider out there. You can't cut yourself and save yourself on network superiority, right? The cautionary tale here is AT and T, which. In the year before, when the iPhone came out, cut CapEx. And it took them many years to catch up with that tsunami, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what we know is that people will use the bandwidth one way or another. Right now, not so much, but this is going to come. And when it's going to come, it's going to come crushing down. Just like the iPhone came out of nowhere, crushing down. I remember being asked by one executive, or they were doing their planning in 2006 or so, and they're like, oh, we expect about five megabyte uh, of data usage. And I'm like, 
I hope you're not right, because that would mean that data isn't taking off, right? Yeah. I remember we were both working at Nielsen at the time. and That was before Nielsen, that conversation. Uh, okay, well, yeah. I was working at Nielsen or Telefia at the time, and we had bill panel data. And I remember seeing people people with iPhones, their bills come in, and you know it was going from an average data usage of four or five megs a month to hundreds and hundreds of megabytes, and it was taking down the network in some cases, right? Uh, and this was on 2G connections. So the first iPhone, right? It wasn't even 3G. So yeah, I mean, when those kind of separate use cases arrive, they arrive with force and, and, and quickly, right? To your point. But I think that's a good segue to AT&T. We were talking about AT&T already. You know, they had 656,000 postpaid phone nets, uh, industry best postpaid phone churn at uh, 0.84. They lost about 9,000 prepaid subs, but their prepaid churn was under 3% again. I thought it was a really solid quarter. They raised guidance, which is something we haven't seen for a while. Do you think that AT&T has been successful in terms of keeping their subs out of circulation uh, with the kind of the best deals for everyone? Yeah, that that has really worked out very well for AT&T. And we have to look at the performance. The performance, the more than 600,000 net ads came without the help of free content, like from the other two big guys. It came without the help of free lines. So really strong numbers from, from that perspective. Financially disciplined, right? The same deal for everybody was really a breaking the initiative and the mold of the of the competition. What I'm looking for with AT&T is to come up with something else that will force the other providers, and I'm, actually I'm looking at for all of them, right? Because Verizon needs it, AT&T wouldn't hurt, right? That forces the, the others on their back foot. And T-Mobile needs it Needs it probably less than everybody else, but you know they could certainly mess things up. So that's what I'm looking for. It's like, what's that new disruptive move? And we haven't had one in in a year. And with it, we had the status quo with Verizon doing the least well, and and everybody else doing better. So disruptive usually is kind of how T-Mobile's described, but I think they've really kind of settled into a rhythm. So, you know, shifting gears a little bit. Once again, they had an industry high, 927,000 postpaid phone, 0.92% churn, which is highest of the big three, but it's still, I think, very re- respectable. Yeah. They were they were the only ones that gained on prepaid, so they got twenty five thousand new prepaid customers with a turn of two point nine three percent, which is you know for prepaid anything below three is very good, and they grew their FWA by another five hundred twenty five thousand, right? So we're used to hearing kind of the beat the beaten raise from T Mobile, but they they did it again. You know, my question with T Mobile is, you know, is this is this kind of steady state where they're going to be for the foreseeable future, or is there an opportunity for them to accelerate further? Because these are pretty stratospheric spheric numbers. I think if they would really try hard, they could do better. But do they have to? Right? Would they get credit for it? 
and the the potential in the market would be tapped out sooner and then they would be in a in a steady state so i think this is good enough and they still have quite a number of markets where they can where they can easily expand right they can expand in business they're they're making inroads nine out of ten airlines right they're making inroads but they still are are under indexing there they can still make inroads in the 55 plus area they can still make inroads in in rural america there's plenty of gas left in that tank to propel t-mobile further the question is how fast do they want to go i mean the other thing to think about is you know they've they've only deployed about half of their midbound frequency right now, right? So they're going to be north. I think they have about 130 megahertz deployed nationwide right now. They're on their way to 200. So that gives them more capacity on FWA side too. And it gives them more capacity and all of, all of that. So, you know, they can play that playbook for, for quite some time and, and do well. The big question will become, when will cable become a threat to T-Mobile, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about cable, right? So Charter and Comcast both had very good quarters, although I would say very different quarters in the sense that Charter grew by 615,000 postpaid phone nets, which is by far an, an all-time high and you know, frankly shocking given that, that they were getting about 300 prior to this, right? So... And then Comcast got about 365, which is a, which is a high for them as well, but not not as big of a number as, as 615, right? So Charter blew off the doors, but we saw this coming. Whenever a new offer is coming out, we 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 ask a question to our panel, and the attractiveness of Charter's offer doubled, right? And the net ads doubled. Which I thought was was very nice. Comcast has his playbook. Then I don't think they were unhappy with the numbers. But then it's again like, you know, how high do you want to reach? How fast? One of the things that a lot of people don't don't realize is that when you look at it from a SOGA perspective, share of gross ads in the footprint of of Comcast and and Charter. Soga-wise, it's a four-horse race, right? The viable competitor that Dish was supposed to be, that role has been filled by cable, or at least by Charter and by, by Comcast. We'll see how, how Cox will do, but, you know, especially Charter is a terrific executor, and... They're in this to make money and to make impact. Well, I think the big the big question there is, you know, does does Comcast kind of follow suit in terms of kind of this bundle wireless pricing? It's very very aggressive, like Charter, or are they happy with three hundred thousand nets, which is nothing to sneeze at, right? Yeah. Well, we we saw in our numbers that if Charter would do it or Cox will do it, their appeal would go up by a very similar amount. So it's an ace that Comcast has in their back pocket, which they can play if they want to. And so it's quite assuring for them, right? And 600,000 in charter footprint, which is a little bit over a third of the, of the country, 
you know, that's 1.8 million if they would be nationwide on phone net ads, right? Right. That's twice as much as anybody else. And I don't think Charter got enough credit for it. On the other hand, we'll see what happens in a year because it's a one-year promotion. And then the price goes up from like, what is it, 50 to 115 or so? We'll see. But but I think this came at the right time for Charter, which got you know beaten up by the financial in, uh, analysts after the investor day in December. I think a little bit too much personally. But this was the welcome good news of don't count out Charter. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.